Hello and welcome to Need to Know, your weekly baking podcast covering everything from the hottest trends and entertainment baking to trusted expertise on your favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Gina Brzao, s'mores-obsessed and amateur baker at best. As always, I'm joined by professional chef, cookbook author, the creator of Bigger Boulder Baking, Gemma Stafford. Hi, Gemma. Hi, Dee. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Hi, Gina. Hello. We had Dee here last week and, yes, I, and I totally the, spaced on yeah, that. Yeah, that's okay. How's your week? Um, it's going great. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's, it's going fine. Yeah. You know when you have to think about how is my week going? Yeah. It's grand. Yeah. Not too bad. It's warm here. It's nice. It's hot here, Gina. It's Let's hot. just like, yeah, I'm, it's like, hot. Honest about that. It I have a sweater. Hot. I'm always cold. Why do you have a sweater on? It's literally, I literally a million have a degrees outside. I have a long sleeve and a sweater because I'm always freezing. I don't know. You work in the valley. It's hot. Yeah, I need I need to get it together on that end. Um, we have a fun one. Our first hot from the oven topic this week. Great. Let me have it. Banana bread. Okay. You like banana bread, right? Of course, I like banana bread. The whole world likes banana yeah, bread. Yeah, I was like. I love banana bread with chocolate chips in it, of course. We're not surprised there. No. But I found this article and it was the biggest mistakes everyone makes with banana bread. And I was like, hmm, I feel like banana bread is pretty straightforward, right? I feel like it was one of the yeah. first recipes I felt comfortable like baking on my own. I was yeah. like, I got this banana bread. Um, but it brought up some like bigger baking questions that I thought we could dive into. So I pulled a couple. Um, the first one is how you mix your banana bread batter mm-hmm. is really important. Um and basically how a lot of times people are afraid that they're going to undermix. So by doing that, they end up overmixing. And I don't know, I just thought it was such an interesting sort of topic because we don't often talk about mixing, right? Yeah. It's not something you're just like, oh, throw it in the bowl. The recipe says throw it in the bowl and mix it. But sort of like what are what can happen if you overmix? Well, so we just did a video, how not to make banana bread. Oh, I love it. This is great timing. So we covered all of these things. Okay. So, um... It was, it, it, it starts from everything, from, from the moment you uh, get your ingredients mm-hmm. to the to weighing, all of this stuff. So um, one of the biggest things is overmixing your batter. I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah. For banana bread, it's really important. You really just want to get a tender crumb. You just gently mix it. Is it because it's like such a delicate recipe or I guess what's the reasoning that it's so easy to overmix? Um. Oh, it's the glue. It's the gluten. You know the way. Sometimes banana bread can be tough. I don't, yeah. It's just the nature of it. Okay, okay. It can be kind. Of, you might not think it's tough when you're eating it, but mm-hmm. then when you have a really soft one, you're like, oh, wait a second now. This is a good banana. <laughs> so um, there, there's lots of different things. I'll tell you. Like when we did um, how not to make banana bread, the mm-hmm. top ones were um, you know mashing your banana bre- bananas really fine first. That's important. Mm. Like get a, a, um, a fork, mash them up really well, then add your other ingredients. Um, another one is. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting now. Another one is over over mixing the batter. Don't forget about your salt and your uh, vanilla. That's really important for banana bread. There's little things here or there like there's you know a banana bread is a big loaf in a nine by five pan make right. sure you line that pan a lot of people don't line I don't think I've I did I oh do. I'm pretty yeah, I can say with confidence, confidence that, that you have not done yeah, that yeah, yeah. with like um, pa- parchment paper yeah okay okay and um and there's little things like this and it honestly it was one of our most popular videos lately how not to make banana bread and that is it so was funny so, yeah it was such a big can, hit we just um, we have another one coming out really soon called oh. How Not to Make Chocolate Chip Cookies. <gasps> I love it. Gemma is like the chocolate chip cookie connoisseur, in my opinion. You're going I've to learned need, so yeah. much about them. You're going to have to need to see that one, Gina. Yeah, I'm going to have. Okay, so, okay, when you say line it, does that mean you have to do parchment paper? Can you grease it with like Crisco or? 
Um, and so flour. When I when I line some, apart from a cookie tray, I, I never grease the cookie tray. But um, hmm. when I do a when I do a um, cake pan or a nine by five, a loaf pan or whatever, butter and line. That's just okay. my standard butter and line. Okay. And if you don't butter it, um, your paper when you're putting in your batter can kind of pop out, mm-hmm. and then you know. So just like get it nice and tucked in there with okay. some butter. You can use whatever fat you want to use. You can use it. I use butter because it's sticky, and and I always have the butter wrappers. So yes. use your leftover butter wrappers. And um, but yeah, butter and line. But that's that's a very that's a simple one. In uh, on biggerbolderbaking.com, I have all of those like what not to do in okay. our best ever banana bread post. So for banana bread, is it just like the mixing? Is banana bread one of the most delicate recipes with mixing, or do you sort of apply that rule? Don't overmix to like cakes, cookies. Is 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 it applies? You know, overmixing cookies is not really a thing. You never hear anybody say that. Yeah. Um, even though it, it, sh- it should make sense, like you know, ca- they're not cakey. Right. Right. They're okay, a yeah, different texture, and they're and they're baked for way shorter. They're yeah. you're going for a different texture. With cakes, it the same rule does apply. Overmixing, and, and and I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. I try not to. What you really don't want to do it is something like a banana bread. Um, you know, cakes, cupcakes, but then also pancake batters, waffle mm. batters, and things like I that. Think of that. Yeah, they, they're really important. You just want to bring them until mix them until they just combine. Okay. Lumps are totally okay. And then cook them off. Yeah, I need to tell myself that, that like the lumps in it. Yeah. And even with banana bread, like you're going to have lumps because bananas, you, right? You do. And you're knocking out air when you're getting rid of those lumps. Uh, so okay. um, yeah, don't be afraid of a few lumps, especially when it comes to pancake and waffles. Perfect. Oh, good to know. All right. This next one was, which I didn't really know was a thing, using the wrong bananas. So, okay. I also read this trick, which I was really interested by. I wanted your opinion on. You can ripen the fruit in the oven. Yeah. I didn't know that. I was like, this is a Gina hack for baking. It is a Gina hack for baking. That's a very you good one. You just throw it in the oven. It says 250 for 15 to 20 minutes yeah. and it ripens it, which is so yeah. good to know because so many times we've been like, oh man, I wish those bananas were ripe. I want to make some. But what is like your favorite? Do you like, is it best to have like a really ripe banana or like a medium ripe? I don't know. What's like the ripe sweet spot? Um, say like a nice kind of black spotty, oh. like over overripe banana. Now a black banana that sometimes you think um, I'm going to make banana bread on Monday and then you comes come Friday, you're still looking at those bananas. Yeah. Don't use those bananas, okay. Gina. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, use overripe bananas. They have, there's a few different reasons. They're more banana-ny mm. um, and they, they're sweeter. So the flavor and the flavor of your of your bread is going to be so much better. It's oh. going to be it's going to have more pronounced banana flavor, and um, because your bananas are older, so you really want you want to use ripe bananas. And then if you don't have them, throw it in the oven. Throw it in the oven, and I also think that same trick minutes. works in the microwave. Oh, yeah, with really an even bigger Gina hack. Uh, yeah, that is like the best Gina hack ever. <laughs> um, all right, the next one we have two more is using too many eggs. Which would create a dense, spongy, rubbery cake. Is yeah. it usually like a lot of eggs? I feel like I can't recall. Mm, I don't know. Two Banana or three? bread is like two, one to two eggs. I, I've never heard that before. I also have a question that I just thought of going off of this. Um, so sometimes let's just say banana bread, your recipe calls for two eggs. What size egg? Like there's small eggs, there's large eggs. Like I've often wondered that. Sometimes I'll buy the large eggs and I'll be like, should I be using two of these in a recipe that calls for two or is that one? 
Does that really matter? You know, I'd say follow your recipe. Okay. If it specifies an egg, use yeah. that. Um, in the States, often we use large eggs for our baking. Mm. Um, and, you know, different, but our, like on my website, recipes are viewed all over the world. So I try to always specify a large egg. And in, in Ireland, if that egg, you know, eggs are smaller, you have your own chickens. Eggs right. can be bigger or smaller or not uniformed. So, um I will tell you the best way if if really you don't you're unsure wait wait weigh your eggs so a large so egg scale see the large egg um weighs 60 grams okay which is two ounces crack it out of its shell and you have 50 grams you have around 30 for the white and around 20 for the yolk so when you're doing something um that you know you're unsure about like yeah if you're making meringues you, and you have a whole pile of egg whites now you just weigh your your um your egg whites to figure out how much egg whites you need you don't have to go back and crack up a whole pile of eggs because the recipe said seven egg whites you know so it is handy this, to do yeah, these no, things that by is grams really good to know yeah because I would have never known even I don't even think I would have thought oh I can just weigh my eggs that's so smart yeah and it, so it, but um here's the thing recipes and actually my I'm I actually, let me just restate, let me, sorry, let me start again. Um, I don't always have the weight for uh, whole eggs in my recipes. I always say, I specify what size, okay. but when it comes to egg whites or um, something like that, I always have the weight in there. Mm, that's really interesting. And I, again, like I would have never thought of that, but all the more reason we need scales, you guys. Yeah. Our last one um, is over baking, which I feel like is a really good topic when it comes to banana bread, because those are deep pans they're like yeah you're cooking in a deep dish it's a thick bread and I also was reading a hack you can sort of use if you overcook it and dry it out is you can actually take a damp kitchen cloth and put it over the loaf to reintroduce moisture yeah you can do that which I was like does that really work I have another trick oh tell us okay don't overbake your banana bread okay there we go well yes that is the number one trick and it also said something about simple syrup soaking your no, bread with it but no, does that have no, flavor no no isn't that super sugary no i am going to say i'm going to shut this conversation down i love right it now. Okay, okay absolutely not okay nobody is to do that so how what would your main trick be for knowing that your banana bread is it just sticking like a, a knife in the middle um i i do it by feel so okay. it, it, they are super yeah what thick. should you look for so um like a kind of usually a crowned top if it's firm underneath your finger number one press in the middle if it's firm okay. underneath your finger but it is a very thick loaf so if you do want to check it something with a very thin edge because you don't want to stick a thick knife through your lovely banana bread so <sighs> a skewer or a thin uh, uh paring knife something like that i've got a knife called a tomato knife and i oh. and i use that a lot okay and uh yeah and then it comes out with no crumbs on it you're good to go okay Good to know. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes I'll be baking and I'm like, this is such a deep dish. Like, I don't know if it's going to be raw under there. But Yeah, and everybody, in your oven, I know we have issues. Like my, you have issues with your yeah, oven. My oven's tough. So, and sometimes what happens is they overbrown when the center still, this is common. Like, yeah. especially I had a gas oven for a long time. Stuff browns on top and it's still not done in the middle. Do you put tinfoil over you it? You do, like you I, have okay. to put tinfoil over I'm like, over I never it. know what to do. Yeah. All right. Um, next, we're moving on to something that I've never heard of. Dough conditioners? Mm-hmm. Of course, Gemma knows. I don't even know why I would think she did it. But um, I just have a lot. Like, what are they? It's a good, you know, it's a good question. I am, I'm going to tell you what I I think I know they are. Okay. Um, 
when I worked in a bakery in when I first moved to the US, mm-hmm. we would have doughs. We would make doughs that had dough improvers or dough conditioners, which gives them a longer shelf life. It makes them softer for longer. Um, you know, it just makes them more shelf stable. Is it a powder? It's a powder. And it's yeah, it comes in powder form that you'd add into your dry ingredients. It does I, have- Good. Well, I don't know. I don't know a huge amount about them. I'll tell okay. you, I've never personally used them. I just know that in this bakery, which you know, like it did, we had some amazing breads. Yeah. But there was a, because it was a casino. It was a occasion mm-hmm. for a casino, and you had like all different types of restaurants. So there was kind of, you know, we're catering for buffets, and they needed the bread to last longer because. Um, and they needed it in more volume. So they would yeah, put things like, like that into the it. bread to make them more shelf stable. Do you think it affects the taste at all? Or is it sort of... I don't know, but I have to say I, I'm pretty conscious of bread that has them in it. It, it. You know what? That ingredient might be way more common than I even know. Like okay. it might be like we buy. Um, when we go to the supermarket and I don't buy like an artisanal loaf of bread, but I do f- buy a more expensive loaf of sliced bread mm-hmm. I don't know do they all have it in it I don't know enough about it right because what did it even say so I guess when you're baking at home for like consistency or if you're like baking a lot yeah what are your tips like don't if, use it don't use it you don't need it okay just for like commercial you don't, it's, it's absolutely commercial based um yeah baking okay do you um and it's just to, it's 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 just to make stuff last longer to get your more money out of it yeah that's, that's what it is and I never like it never occurred to me I guess I mean I've thought how does how do you make on a large scale but yeah I didn't I never knew that this product really existed what does it say that it is um okay so this said any ingredient or chemical added to bread or dough to strengthen its texture mm-hmm. and improve it. So some examples were ascorbic acid, distilled monoglyceride, citrate acid, all these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, all it's, those. I would, there's no need for anybody listening to this podcast to have that in their baked okay, goods. It's okay, not necessary. Okay. And let me tell you something. If you do want to make a bread well, number one make your bread and eat it mm-hmm. in 24 hours bread does get hard it's the nature of it but I will tell you making softer doughs making fermented doughs making doughs with a poolish or a biga um will they naturally stay softer for longer a sour some sort of sourdough fermented bread does stay softer for longer huh okay yeah. so See, go, go that avenue go go with those breads yeah our next topic is butter mm-hmm. unsalted versus salted and it said what I was reading up on that you should usually or most always use unsalted butter for baking yeah this is something as an amateur baker really never occurred to me I feel like I always grabbed unsalted because I was like oh that must be better like because you're not adding an extra flavor do you agree um I personally use salted butter oh and okay, yeah I love this this and is good I I don't specify in my recipes. A lot of people who follow me know I use salted butter. Okay. I also add salt. What's the reasoning, I guess, for your unsalt or for salted butter? I for more flavor. You like that's it. why I do it. Yeah. I'll tell you a few things though. Um, you don't have to do salted butter if you need to have lower sodium in your diet, mm-hmm. whatever it is, or you only have access to unsalted butter. Then use that. Okay. You don't have to have it. I do it for more flavor. Now, uh, then, like I do it. On the very, very, very rare occasion will I find a pastry that I made was a little bit saltier than I would have liked it to be. Um, it, it happened literally once the whole time I've been baking. Wow. But 
um, I add in additional salt as well that the recipe says lots of people now people might be screaming at me do whatever suits you but salt is flavor don't be afraid of salt no don't be afraid of salt you don't have to add it in twice like I do yeah and um, I will tell you that I read an interesting article um one time and there's a reason why they specify unsalted for baking because you can control now you can you have more control over the salt in your recipe so if if you work with an unsalted butter and the recipe says one teaspoon of salt you know how much salt now is in your recipe often with salted I think there's different regulations around how much salt has to be displayed or is in butter so you don't know exactly how salted your butter is it's just salted and it it varies it goes on a scale um for I I think it's a legis I think it's like a legislation thing I I I didn't read into too much depth it's interesting too because I but it can vary is what I'm saying okay so it's really it's not consistent it's not consistent and that's what you want is consistency and I also read that um salted butter has more water Mm -hmm. um does it have more water it says salted butter has more water um, and it, sometimes that can affect your recipe. Of course, I don't know like on what scale, but it did say for every half a cup, one stick of butter, um, it says to decrease the amount of salt you add by a fourth of a teaspoon. Okay, I've never heard that. Okay. About, well, the number one, yeah, it, butter does have water. Yeah. If I didn't know it varied between salted and unsalted. Yeah. And butter or water does affect your baking. In, in, a, in a good way or a bad way or whatever, it does, it does affect it. Does it. Affect Sometimes it. it's not bad. All right. I wonder too, like... Um, since you're not using like a lot of butter in a lot of recipes, right? Like how much it would affect it. Like how much more water it's adding. If yeah. you're just making like a batch of like or a cake or something. Yeah. I'd be interested to read up But you on also, that. and then there's lots of times you want water, extra yeah. water. So yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, I would say I need to do a little bit more research and educate myself on it. Yeah. Um, But I, I do what, and I, I think... I would just say this in general, do what suits you. Right. Depends on the baker. And um, I know the butter that I get here. Yeah, so and to ask, I ask, what's your favorite butter? Uh, what's your, oh, uh, Gina. Well, we, I, I know we've talked about it, but. Irish. So what's my favorite butter? Kerry gold is my favorite butter, but to bake on a daily mm. basis, I can't use, I can't afford it's to use Kerry gold. Right? Oh, it's super expensive. Well, no, sorry. It's, it's actually not super expensive. Okay. You can get it in Costco for really inexpensive. You can get it in nearly every supermarket across the U.S., and uh, in Ireland and, and actually in lots of countries we get emails from people in South Africa saying that they can oh, get it nice. in their grocery store it is a superior butter I would say always um get it for, for my everyday baking I can't use Kerrygold okay. like it, it, it's too expensive for yeah. baking so I kind of save that for my mashed potatoes and for putting on toast and for George's um pancakes and things mm-hmm. like that um so that's my favorite butter but then um, you know, we're in California, we've got access to good butter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I go through, when we do big shoots here, I could have 20 pounds of butter. Oh my god! Oh yeah, we will like fly through really? it. Really? Yeah. 20 pounds of butter? What does that even look like? It's not that do much. Do you get it in a big... I don't or, get it in one big tub. I get it in pound, pound boxes. Oh, okay. So okay. I'll have 20, 20 boxes of butter. Um, oh my goodness. I will tell you that Costco is a good place to go get butter because they started doing their own. So Kerrygold is grass fed. Yeah. And for the longest time, it was kind of the only grass fed butter out mm-hmm. there. Costco does their own now grass fed organic butter. Um, so definitely like oh, when nice. you're at Costco, check out those kinds of things because you can really save a lot of money and get really good products. And it's funny too. Well, not, but I, 
starting to like get more into baking, it's just one of those things that I never would have thought of. Like what kind of butter am I buying? You know, you just grab butter and you don't really think about it, but it's really good to learn and to sort of understand the different types of butter, salted, unsalted, and how they affect stuff. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. We have one more hot from the oven topic today. Um, It's about another ingredient, which I'm sure you've heard of. I have not. Dry milk powder, Mm -hmm. which this was really interesting to me. Um, So basically they were saying that some cooks find that adding liquid milk makes a recipe too thin and dry milk can help maintain that thickness and like texture. Um, Do you bake with dry milk? What would you use it in? It's it's really funny. Um, So what do you use it in? I common, I common, that's that's not right. (laughs) Um, I come and see it. I often see it in recipes for uh, a donut, a donut uh, dough. Okay. Um, Dry milk powder. I haven't heard of replacing it with milk. Yeah, that's what I was like. That's what I have. I haven't heard that, but I do know that some chefs, uh, like Christina Tosi from the Milk Bar, she uses she puts milk. Yeah, that's this article about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she puts dried milk powder into a lot of her baking, nearly everything, and her cookies as well. So So um, interesting. It does help with the browning. Because it says that um, Tosi encourages bakers to toss it in whatever you're making yeah. and see what the results are. Yeah, I don't, you know, I I, I've, I think I've read the article that you're referring to. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I would say just toss it in willy-nilly, but um, don't be, like, you can you can experiment with it. I wonder if it adds a different flavor. Like, I don't I, know. I would wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not something that I have commonly used. When I, when I see it, it, it comes up very rarely for me. Yeah. But I know some chefs really like to use it. And I, I do think it helps with the browning and, and it helps in yeasted doughs. And like textures. What I, because uh, a lot of the times I'll bake and I don't really drink regular milk that often. Like I'll have an almond milk or something. And so this to me was interesting because I'm like, oh my gosh, I could keep powdered milk in my pantry. Yeah. I'm, and it's more accessible almost yeah. than having to run out and get milk or just keep it for baking. You could do that and then rehydrate it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you absolutely Add can do that. Add water or something, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you rehydrate it. You can absolutely do that. And then also, um, I didn't hear, I didn't know about this until I moved to the US, but dried buttermilk powder. Ooh. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, I don't know a huge amount about it, but I've seen it in the grocery store and people have asked me when making my pancakes and things like that, Mm -hmm. can you use buttermilk powder? And, you know, it's one of those things that came out of, I'm guessing, necessity. Yeah. Um, You know, a time where people needed like more More dry, more accessibility. And and then maybe farmers or whoever it was were finding a glut that, you know, stuff was going bad. Right. So, um, you know, and like, I know it's, I'm pretty sure it's still nutritious, mm-hmm. the milk, the powder, milk powder and the buttermilk. So yeah, it's something definitely to look into. It's interesting. I was really, yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I learned a lot today from all of these topics. But I, I realized that there's lots of stuff I need to educate myself more no, on. You know so thanks lot. for that, Gina. <laughs> um, well, we're going to try and stump you next. Okay. Probably won't do it, but we have three. First one. What kind of icing do you usually use to assemble a gingerbread house? Royal icing. Yeah, she's so fast. I love I love making gingerbread houses. I feel like I used to do that a lot as a kid. Did you ever make them like no, from scratch? It's a very American thing to do. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. not really something we did in Ireland. Okay, good to know. I could probably do it there now. But then it's like you make it and I remember just sit there like you're not eating it. No. But it's like looks pretty. But yeah, I thought that was fun. But of course Gemma got it. Not stumping here. Second one. When you make a mousse, you fold the whipped cream into your base at the very end 
The cream should be what sort of peaks? Soft peaks. She doesn't even flint, you guys. She's like immediately ready to go. You know why? Because I've done it with firm peaks before and it doesn't work. What exactly? So does that, is a firm peak like a tall? It's just, it's thick, it's stiffer and it's not as billowy. So you know when you get that lovely, Mm -hmm. soft, billowy whipped cream? When you go beyond that, you get stiff peaks, which works for some things. Okay. But when you're making a mousse, if you go too far with your cream, um, you, you have a completely different texture. It's firmer. It's not as soft and silky and delicate. You Yeah, you really, it's um, So you just want like a nice, light, wavy, Yeah, a nice, soft. like soft, like, um, I use the word billowy because I just think it's yeah, really descriptive. Yeah, that's a good word, yeah. And uh, like a lightly, like, to soft peaks. And, uh, and then just, it, and then also it folds in so much better to your ingredients Ooh. when it is soft peaks. See, learning so much. See. This is our last one. Don't know if I'm going to stump her. What is the French term for dough that they use to make eclairs? Oh, I, mean, I know this. Uh, but I, 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 sorry, let me, dig, I think I know this. I'm going to, s- shoot, now I'm a little bit worried. I have, I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, 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 You can give two, you can give two. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, let me explain myself first because okay, okay. I don't like to be wrong. Yeah. Um, we just did uh, eclairs for the bull baking academy mm. we did we did shoe pastry which is is that's that's it um and she got it you no know, but there's oh that's the word you're looking for shoe pastry yes yes because oh. that's how you spell it i believe shoe c-h-o-u-x oh yeah. that was what you're looking for well, yeah that's simple shoe pastry but it's funny because i, I thought you were like... looking there's a french there's another word oh, for no, you it, got the it. Dough. okay cool it, well, as far as what I was looking for, you got that correct. There's a name of how you, what you call the cooked dough. It's like a panada or something, oh. and then it's a different thing. And okay. then there's also another name. But I, mean, I got it. Now so I'm it getting matter. stumped. So shoe pastry, is it just... I feel like I've heard that word a lot. Yeah. And is it just eclairs, or is it like a lot of like small pastries? No, it's, use it's, it? shoe, it's only for shoe pastry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. It's only for eclairs, proficial rolls, and what we call... Um, and what you, in America they call... Uh, what are those things? Cream puffs. Oh, cream puffs. Cream yeah. puffs. Okay. That's, so, that's what shoe pastry. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm sorry, uh, Gruyères, which are savory um, cream puffs with mm. uh, Gruyère cheese. And then also yeah. lots of people, including myself, use that dough to make churros. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It's the same dough and it makes such different yeah, yeah. things. It's basically all, ju- just those things. You can't, it's not super versatile, but it makes okay. really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, all of that stuff I would eat right yeah. now. All right, so our next question, um, La Fula Cocina on Instagram. What is your biggest no-no in baking? I love that. Oh, I've got so many. I was about to say, Jen probably has it done. Um, What's the first one that comes to mind? Don't, like... Line your pans. Yeah. Drives me bananas when I see yeah, people really who don't line their pans. Get some parchment paper and butter. Do you do that? Do you line your pans? Absolutely not. Oh, Gina. Why but I do though? grease like my cookie sheet. It's but just, why? it seems involved cutting the paper to size. And I just, I just put some Crisco in there. Yeah. But now pot. you have to wash your baking pan, your sheet, your cookie sheet. Okay. Do you so wash you them? Na- no, absolutely. But okay. now it, you're, it's enticing because I'm like, oh. Well, then no. if I'm not, if I don't have to wash my pan, you don't then, have yeah, to wash your pan. Sold. I'll do also, it. you can For reuse sure. parchment paper. Really? Yeah. If it doesn't get dirty, dirty. Does it yeah. like absorb any of the flavor? Mm. No, I guess not. Well, I wouldn't be putting like a steak on it and then putting <laughs> a cake on it. <laughs> and just keep it in the same. Keep it in the same genre. family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So use that's her number one no-no. Always line your pans. Yeah, that's or just not a, a very simple. Yeah. Okay. Our last one is from Bellamore on Facebook. 
How do you glaze strawberries when decorating cakes and pastries, like when they look shiny in French, French pastry shops? I, I have the same question. Super simple. Oh. Um, it is, I'll tell you what it is, and the, the kind of the creme patisserie tarts that you're talking yeah. about, they get an a apricot jam, a strained apricot jam. They dilute it with a little bit of water sometimes okay. uh, just to thin it out and then they brush it on. The apricot, apricot jam? jam because it's quite neutral and it's clear in color yeah, ki- like, kind of flavor it's a, it's it's not it yeah you get a tiny bit of flavor but it's yeah. not like it's raspberry jam and you can't see it so you dilute it and then do you like throw the fruit in there or you just put it no, over no. top so you will get a bit of jam yeah you might want to pop it into the microwave loosen it up you okay. might want to add a little bit of water not everybody adds in a little bit of water um, and then also sometimes these glazes for bakeries come come ready to go in in oh, tubs okay, okay. and then you'll get a, a pastry brush and you brush your fruit on top with the jam. I thought it was going to be like simple syrup or like something. No, no, know. no. It's it's apricot jam. Wow. It's that very is really... classic French way to do it. Thank you for asking that question, Belle, because that it is, is interesting, a isn't great it? question. I, I mean, yeah. it's like an obvious answer I guess but it's not because I would have never thought it was apricot no it's 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 totally random yeah, it's why, so why would random. you who decided to put apricot jam on stuff but and then the fact that it's that sort of like universal like everyone mm-hmm. just went with it they're like yeah yep, that's what we use it's when you get those lovely uh, little like french little creme patisserie mm-hmm. tarts with the fruit on top always so apricot jam on top wow good yeah. to know that's a good one to end it on um that's all we have for today as always you can find me on instagram at gina brazau and Gemma. Gemma at Gemma underscore stafford on instagram and then also bigger boulder baking on all platforms and then also check out our tiktok we do tiktok yes now. is that what you say you do tiktok yeah you tiktok you're tiktok okay, I'm you're a tiktoker i don't know TikTok. It's right really now. good. I learn a lot on there, so I'd highly recommend. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, what, wait, what's my? Uh, it's bigger, bolder baking. Bigger, bolder baking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye bye.